Welcome to the Covenant Journey Podcast. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to deepen your faith, knowledge, and love of our Lord Jesus as we explore the timeless treasures of the Bible. Join us now as we explore God's Word. We're going to continue our study in the book of Revelation, and we're going to pick up today with chapter 14. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Covenant Journey. We began this study with the idea that the book of Revelation says right up front that this is a revelation from Jesus, about Jesus, and by Jesus. And Jesus is all the way from the beginning of the book through the end and every place in between. So we never want to lose sight of that. We also have seen this theme of the heaven, then earth, then heaven, then earth motif as we've traveled through the book of Revelation. Two chapters before 14 in verse 12, we have the picture of the woman in heaven. She gives birth to the Messiah, and the dragon, Satan, ultimately tries to devour him at his birth and is unable to do so. He is protected. As we know, Jesus was born on earth, and Herod wanted to ultimately kill him just like Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses. Of course, They were not successful, and the book of Revelation chapter 12 also shows that as a response to that, the dragon comes down to heaven and comes down from heaven and makes war against the remnant of the saints of the woman, the church, believers in Jesus Christ. That is a passage that begins in heaven, transitions to earth, and then chapter 13 is the beast arising out of the sea. That is a picture continuing on earth. Now the curtain closes and there is a temporary pause to look back to heaven. Chapter 13 ends with this number of the beast. The number is the number of a man and his number is 666. Many people have tried to pinpoint who that might be. Was it Nero in the first century? Is it someone else throughout history? Is it someone who's not yet named? What we can say is that Revelation, although certainly it has application at the time that it was being read by the early church, it is not culminating in the first century. It has future application and down through history, of course. And this number is a triplicate six, something that is completely human and antithetical contrary to God, which would be seven or triple seven. This is an atheistic, this is an anti-Christ type of number, if you will, something that is very hostile to God, whether claiming to be atheist or just claiming to be hostile or claiming to be God himself, either one, something that is antithetical to God and perfection. So that is how we end chapter 13, this scene on earth. But chapter 14 takes us to a brief scene in heaven. 14 verse 1, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of a loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of a harpist playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures, 
and before the elders. And that's a scene earlier in the book of Revelation before and around the throne of God. No one else could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as firstfruits to God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. doesn't mean only 144,000 numerically. That's a number of perfection. That's 12,000 from 12 tribes. That's how you get the 144,000. And earlier we had, in an earlier chapter, chapter 7, you had the 144,000 from every tribe and nation of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe, 144,000. Then you had the innumerable multitude, the non-Jews, that could not be counted, that also had the seal of God in addition to this 144,000. So this is referring back to that original reference of the 144,000. It's not excluding the innumerable number of people who have the seal of God that's mentioned earlier in chapter 7. Then what happens is you have three angels that fly and they ultimately have a message to fear God and give glory to Him because the hour of His judgment has come and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Verse 8, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. These different angels have different messages in this chapter. But one of the things that's interesting here is a call, as there has been in previous chapters and there will be during these difficult times. Verse 12, Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. And what you ultimately have here is now a picture of the Son of Man. Verse 14, I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple. And so what we have are two harvests, if you will. This first one says to put your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So the one who sat on the cloud swung the sickle across the earth and the earth was reaped. Then there's another sickle, verse 17. This is a sickle of judgment. And it says, put your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grapes harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. In other words, you have good and evil. You have two harvests that takes place. As evil continues to increase, there is a call for endurance of the saints. Stay true and close and follow the Lamb. 
because he's still on the throne. And that's a picture of still being in control. There's going to be a revival. There is a time in which there is a harvesting that is actually happening simultaneous to an increase of wickedness. And so the other sickle is actually also harvesting. But instead of a harvest of those who are following God, this is a harvest that is pictured in terms of a vineyard, and the grapes are thrown into the wine of God's wrath, the winepress of God's wrath. And then the winepress is trodden, and so you see uh, the results of this. So you have simultaneous revival happening with an increase of wickedness. To the saints, the message is, stay true, maintain your endurance and your faith in Christ, and follow the Lamb because He's still on the throne. We move now to chapter 15. And chapter 15 begins the last of the seven series. And we had the seven seals that the Lamb in chapter 5 unseals from the scroll that ultimately contains our history and the destiny of all the world. The Lamb is the only one worthy to take each one of those seals off. And as the Lamb does that, Jesus Christ, more history is unfolded. From that seventh seal then comes the seven trumpets that are blown. And now we're into the final series of seven. And these are the seven angels with the seven plagues, kind of reminiscent of what happened when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt with the ten plagues. Now we have triple sevens, seven seals, seven trumpets, and now we have seven plagues. And it begins in chapter 15, verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. This is it. This is the culmination. And then it talks about all the different uh, seal or the plagues uh, that begin uh, to happen. Uh, each one of these plagues are symbolized that an angel has a bowl and the angel pours out what's in that bowl, and from that, the plagues happen. And this is where we are in chapter 16. We're now back on the earth with chapter 16. Because in chapter 15, we're actually back transported to heaven. This scene in chapter 15 is a scene in heaven where people are gathering around the throne of God and they're singing the song of Moses. They have harps in their hands and they're singing praises to God. These are uh, the living creatures and they're all around the throne giving glory to God. Now we're transported back down to earth in chapter 16 and the first angel pours out the bowl in verse 2 of chapter 16, and that bowl has various kinds of plagues that come to it. Verse 3, the second angel pours out the bowl. Uh, the first one is on the earth. The second uh, bowl with the plague is on the sea. 
The third bowl in verse 4 is on the rivers and the springs of water. They become like blood, reminiscent of what happened in Egypt when one of the plagues was to turn the water into blood and they couldn't drink it. Then we ultimately have, uh, and that, by the way, symbolizes the, the blood of the saints and the prophets that have been shed throughout history for their faith in the Lord. Verse 8 is the fourth angel, and that particular one goes on the sun. So all of the natural elements are starting to be affected. The earth is groaning uh, because of the weight of sin. The fifth angel pours out, in verse 10, the bowl on the throne of the beast. And so now it's actually to the actual beast, the one that is in opposition to God, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness, no doubt spiritual darkness, but could be even more. They still didn't repent. God continued to give opportunity with the plagues of Egypt, and these plagues are also designed to give opportunity for repentance, but those that were following the beast still did not repent. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and the water dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. This is for the ultimate conflict, the battle, which is known as Armageddon. Uh, this particular battle is mentioned in chapter 16, and that battle is in verse 16 of chapter 16. And they assembled them at the place in Hebrew, which is called Armageddon. Armageddon is Har Megiddo. The Hebrew words Har for mountain and Megiddo for an actual location. And that place is still in the Valley of Jezreel right now. We visit that Mount Megiddo when we go to Israel on our journeys. And down below it is the Valley of Jezreel. This was historically a place where nations would have their outpost, and it was a strategic location to conquer. One of the Egyptian leaders conquered this place. He's mentioned in the scriptures as conquering Mount Megiddo. And this is where Solomon had his uh, horse stables and also an outpost, because it's a very strategic position where kings from the east would ultimately come during the various seasons of the year, and they would come down that valley of Jezreel, and Mount Megiddo was a strategic place to be able to see the impending armies coming your way and a strategic outpost. This is what it's called, or this is what it's referring to. It's a place where they gather so that these kings of the east can come, and the battle is called Armageddon. Finally, the seventh angel, verse 17, pours out his bowl or its bowl into the air, and a loud voice comes out of the temple saying, it is done, reminiscent of what Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. There were great flashes and lots of different situations in the natural world, uh, great hailstones and plagues of hail because the plague was so great. Now, this is a difficult place as we bring to a conclusion these seven plagues. But don't get lost in all of the gloom. Yes, this is painted as something that would be the last battle. 
But remember in this passage that we just read, blessed are those who actually died following the Lord. You'll have eternal life. Don't get discouraged because remember the Lord is always on the throne. And he's got your number. You're sealed. Those of you who are followers of Christ. Difficult times might happen in your life, whether before or after this final conflict. But remember, God is always on the throne. Remember that this is a revelation of Jesus. Remember that there is a culmination of history. Remember that we will soon come to the new heaven and new earth. Remember that there will be no tears, no sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no death. And that's what we're getting ready to move to as we move past uh, chapter 17, which we'll pick up on the next study and begin to move towards this last picture of Jesus establishing his kingdom because of his sacrifice. Rather than get worried about the future, focus on the present in your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really what the book of Revelation is wanting you to do. Stay close. Stay in contact. Pray, read your scriptures, and stay in communion with our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, with God all things are possible. Remember, he's still on the throne. Remember that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you have no reason to fear any evil because our shepherd walks with us and has walked before us. For more information, visit covenantjourney.org. You've been listening to the Covenant Journey podcast. We hope that we have informed, inspired, and encouraged you to deepen your faith, knowledge, and love for our Lord Jesus as we've explored the Word of God. Visit covenantjourney.org where you can obtain additional notes and information to enhance your study of the Scriptures. The website again is covenantjourney.org. You can also email us at cj at covenantjourney.org. Share this podcast with your friends. Visit covenantjourney.org.